studying today. Um, I'm going to read several scriptures in Isaiah 37. It's in your bulletin, I believe. Uh, everybody say Hezekiah. Hezekiah. We're going to talk about King Hezekiah for a little bit this morning. And I'll be transparent with you. Sometimes I'm pretty confident about where I'm going with this thing. Sometimes I'm not, but we just go with the Holy Ghost and see what happens. And uh, let's just read a little bit and see what we can pull out of this. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 9. And he heard say, talking about Hezekiah, he heard say concerning Tirhaka. Anybody know anybody named Tirhaka? King of Ethiopia, he has come forth to make war with thee. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly, and shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed, as Gosnan and Haran and Rezeph and the children of Eden, which were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arphad and the king of the city of Servaphim, Hena and Iba? And Hezekiah received the letter. Now I want you to understand this. Everything that this king from Assyria just said was in a letter that was delivered to King Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And he receives this letter from the hand of the messengers. And he reads what we just read. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah leaned back in his lazy boy and got some cheese puffs and said, well, let's throw up the white flag. And Hezekiah prayed yes. unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, King of Israel that dwellest between the cherubims, Thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries, wood and stone. Or and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand. And why am I asking it to do it? That all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. This is the prayer of Hezekiah. You can see the title this morning is God Hears Our Prayers. There's a man who is a Christian music artist. You may have heard him. He still writes music today. And uh, his name is Ricardo Sanchez. 
He writes worship music, some that you may have even heard in this room. He sings and writes songs, puts out albums. There was a day that his nine-year-old son, his name was Josiah, dove into the shallow end of their friend's pool. And when he dove headfirst in, they had just been to the zoo just a few days ago, and he decided he was going to mimic the sea lions that he had seen and just without arms in front of him or anything, just dive head on straight into a shallow end of a pool. And when he did that, his head made contact directly with the bottom of the floor of that pool, an in-ground pool. And when it happened, there were multiple fractures that came about along his spine near the base of his neck, nine-year-old boy. And as Ricardo, his dad, stood there helplessly waiting on somebody to come and pick the young man up and try to figure out what they could do for him, he was just, he couldn't move. He, they began to pray, and everybody there began to call on God. And they took him to the hospital, and he was in the operating area for a long time, and they were looking at his situation. And they stood in the waiting room, waiting on some sort of report, just hoping that it had some positivity to it at all. And this songwriter, all he knew to do was to calm his nerves to begin to sing with the family some song of hope. And all of a sudden, Brother March, you talked about the other day how God will give you words to a song and you got to get them down. God began to give him words to a song that has become a very popular song today. Maybe you've heard it, maybe not, but if you turn on the radio long enough, you probably will. A song called It's Not Over. And he began to say the words to this song. He had not even written out the music to it or anything. It's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning. When God is in it, all things are new. And he began to pray, Lord, if those are words from you, then I'm going to believe it. We're going to pray that, we're going to sing it, and we're going to believe it. And they stood in that waiting room, the whole family, and just began to say those words. And to the amazement of doctors, there was a miracle of healing that took place in Josiah's back. And while his neck was broken, they looked at his spine that he couldn't move when he was laying there and there was not a single fracture or a crack anywhere and all they had to do was get something around that neck to where it could be repaired and the young man is just fine today. And God was sending a message to somebody letting them know to you it may look like it's over but if you'll trust in me it's never over. Amen. It's never over. And two of Ricardo's friends had dreams about the accident. Both of them saw an angel rescuing Josiah, and the angel assured them. These are two different people weren't writing the song that said that the angel told them, it's not over. It's not over. And today you can listen to that song. And perhaps God speaks to those who are in dire need and dire trouble in a moment. And he speaks a word to them and lets them know Beyond incredible odds, it's not over. It's not finished. 
And maybe you today don't have a young boy that's dove into the short end of a pool, but maybe perhaps you're facing a struggle today that you don't know how you're going to get through it or what's going to come of it. Maybe you've gotten something in the mail that you don't know how you're going to deal with. I just feel like speaking to somebody on Pentecost Sunday that it's not over. Amen. If God is in it, amen, amen all things are new. Yes. yes. But you know what the struggle is? A lot of times, we don't want to turn it over to God. That's right. That's right. We want to figure out a way to handle the situation in our power, in our ability, in everything that we've got. We'll deal with it, you know, and we'll see what comes of it. I feel God speaking today. You need to let me have it. And let me speak to you. It's never over when God is in it. Amen. If you're serving God this morning and you're struggling with anything in your life whatsoever, it does not have to be over. And you don't have to accept that. We've got living testimonies in this room right now that says it's not over. It does not have to be over and you don't have to accept that. Now, we are living in a world where it seems like there's always a chaotic situation going on in the world. And sometimes, if you'll follow me for a minute, sometimes it's a real serious thing and sometimes it's not really that serious and maybe the news is making a bigger deal out of it than it is. And it's not really that big, big of a deal. But sometimes... There's real serious things going on in our world. I've been uh, studying recently. I don't know what got me into this. But um, the event that happened at Chernobyl in Russia with the nuclear reactor, that radiation spread. It was the worst nuclear disaster in world history. And uh, people tried to play it down when it happened. They tried to let folks know, you, you know, we're just evacuating you momentarily and we're going to come back. It's all right. When really there was radiation everywhere. And there were people miles away from the location that happened that would die of cancer within the year because of all the radiation. And so there's times in which News is blown out of proportion, but then there's times where it's a real important thing. It's actually a struggle. It's actually a, a, a real problem that we need to be worried about. And there's times in our lives when there's a real problem that comes about that we really do worry about. And we really do have sleepless nights about. And we have struggled with it. And we, we struggle with taking it to God and giving it over to Him fully. And... Uh, there, there's things that happen in the world that are given to us sometimes that is blown out of proportion, but when it happens to you and when it's your family member, when it's your health, it hits home for a minute. And you realize that, you know, other people, you know, they, they think that there's world struggles going on, but right here in my home, in my family, I'm dealing with something right now. This is real. This is, this is not blown out of proportion. This is a real thing. People living during the Cold War in the 1960s came face to face 
with a threat that could have proven very real. The United States and the Soviet Union lived under this dark cloud of nuclear war that may have happened. There was people, there, there's folks in this room you probably remember, there was people that thought that it was, could happen any day, a bomb could drop in America, or we could bomb Russia at any moment, and that was the feeling of the time. And in the 1960s, during a meeting with the United Nations Assembly, there was a man from Russia that responded angrily. He got up here in front of everybody at the United Nations, and, and there's, there's no video of it, but people that were there say, said that the man was so outraged and angered and just acting silly from Russia that he took his shoe off and was beating the, 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 the stand or the pulpit, if you will, that he was speaking from. And people were like, this man's lost his mind. But just things like that that appeared crazy were making people think these folks could shoot off a bomb at any minute. You know, they're not afraid to shake their shoe at people at the United Nations. Maybe they won't be afraid to go ahead and just shoot a bomb off. And uh, th these things scared people. And there were many in the audience who, who watched this take place. And the threat was very real. But there came a point when uh, the, the, the struggle, there was a release. And the Soviet Union actually fell. And there was no worry any longer. But it was a very real thing. Yes. You might remember, I, I've seen... I've studied and seen papers where uh, school teachers were issued procedure on how to instruct their students in case of a nuclear uh, holocaust taking place. That's how real it was. And we may worry about the threats that we could face, and sometimes our imagination can run wild with fear of what could happen in our town, in our state, in our country, in our world, and sleep becomes difficult to find. Anybody you've ever lost sleep over a problem? be honest today you've lost sleep over something that that even if it wasn't a, a national news story something happened in your life and and you found it hard to get rest maybe you slept but you didn't get rest and you woke up tired and and some fears they just proved real it's a real thing and during these times what i'm telling you today is we've got to learn to seek god in prayer yeah. if we call him the prince of peace we need to let him be the prince of peace Amen. And minister peace to us. It's time to pray. Amen. And this is exactly what happened with Hezekiah. Amen. Now, the first thing that happened in this story, I'm just going to break this apart for you. The first thing that happened was the enemy tried to deceive and to discourage them. And what they did... The king of Assyria did not simply taunt the people of God. He did not simply say, we're going to come and destroy everything he got, which was their plan. Like, let, let me illustrate it to you like this. If each one of these pews was a city, this is what the king of Assyria and their armies were doing. They, they had a bulldozer and they were just running through every one of them, destroying every bit of them. They start at one city and they go to the next. And the whole idea was, we're going to keep going until there's nobody left and it's just us. And they're all going to serve us. And they come to the king of Judah, Hezekiah, who is a small nation compared to the ones that they've already bulldozed. 
And he's telling him, to him all it is, it's just an intimidation game. We'll just intimidate them a little bit and they'll surrender. That's all it's going to be because they see who we have destroyed. And so it's more than just taunting. He felt so emboldened, this king of Assyria, toward Hezekiah and mighty that he went directly after Hezekiah's God. I'm going to bypass just attacking your crops, insulting you and your family and everything that you're the king of. I'm going to go right after your God. This is how bold he was. He even proclaimed that the Lord had told him to come to Judah and destroy it. You pray to God, how about this? Your God told me to come and destroy you. Boy, you talk about really trying to intimidate somebody now. The messenger that he sent mocked Hezekiah for trusting in God in the first place. And even worse than putting words in the Lord's mouth, the Assyrians tried to claim that God was a liar. And they thought if we can destroy the trust that they've got in their God... We've already won. You know, that's what the devil does. He thinks if I can destroy trust that they've got in their God, I've already won the battle. Because they're not going to fight me. Without God, they're powerless to fight me. And so the first thing that Satan will do is he'll try to undermine the truth in your life. You don't need to believe that Holy Ghost and tongue stuff. Come on. He'll say, you don't need to go to shouting or raising your hands or doing anything that might draw too much attention. You need to just step back for a little bit. And, and I know that you feel strongly about everything, but you need to take a look at all the people that I've already been through and destroyed their lives and understand that God didn't protect him. They won't protect you. So just let your praise down for a little bit. Don't worry about worshiping. Let's get dignified, Brother March. Amen. And, and we won't just step back from that. Don't worry too much about uh, baptism in Jesus' name. Don't worry about holiness. Don't worry about these things. Just step back from it all. And, and don't worry about what you call truth. He's going to say those things to us. He's going to say, you need to just take it a step back and not be so bold. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to just decide that we're going to be Pentecostal. Amen. We're going to be apostolic. Hallelujah. We're going to worship. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. You can say those things to me, but I've already experienced what God can do in my life. And you know how He did it? The first thing I did is I came down to an altar. Amen. I responded. I worshiped. And that's how He filled me up the first time. Yes, Lord. There's got to be a decision today that we're going to be apostolic, Pentecostal every day, no matter what mail we get. No matter what struggle comes our way. No matter who says anything about it. I heard a message preached one time that was called Pentecost needs a Pentecost. You know what Pentecost was? It was God establishing His church. Now how about this? When God established His church, He said this is going to be the first day of it. You know what he did? He poured out the Holy Ghost. Yes, amen. And they didn't act very comfortable. 
They didn't act very dignified. You know why? Because if you've really got the Holy Ghost, it manifests itself physically. There's something that yes, you feel. You have to respond to it. There's something that you've got to do. I think perhaps today, I'm just going to preach a little bit, that sometimes we professionalize Pentecost. And we get to a point where we've already had the experience and there's nothing that needs to happen to anything else. And God says, I want to give Pentecost a Pentecost. Amen. You've had it once, but I want to re-stir up the whole thing. Amen. How many believe that we could be in an upper room this morning? Praise God. If we allow God the opportunity, what was it the Scripture said? That all of a sudden there was a gust of wind that come. You know how it started? I wonder why. I wonder why a gust of wind of the Holy Ghost came sweeping into a building. Because somebody said it's time to pray. First thing it started with is prayer. The first of any relationship with God starts with prayer. Mm -hmm. And God responded. And what was it? It said there were tongues like a fire on each and every one of them. And somebody said, these folks are drunk with new wine. And they wasn't being silly. They really thought there was some folks that had got a hold of some Jack Daniels. And something has gone terribly wrong. The only way I can figure somebody would say something like that is if they've seen the physical manifestation of the Holy Ghost in somebody. Right. They received it, but they couldn't just look at somebody and, and see like this orb of Holy Ghost that's inside of them. They were doing something physically that caused somebody to believe that they were full of something new. Right. You know what that tells me? If I want to have a Pentecost in my life, if I want to have a renewal this morning, a refreshing, something's going to take place on the inside that manifests itself on the outside. Yes. Come on. And we've got to set down our pride if we're going to do that. Yes. That's the first thing we've got to do. Ain't got to be worried about nobody else and what they think about how we look it ain't about nobody else. In that moment, it's just about us and God. That's right. Have you ever been to that point in an altar where you had no care what brother and sister so-and-so thought or what they were even doing right now? You were lost in the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever had that before? Amen. Hey, I want to tell you what. That's a place I want to be. Yes. Amen. That's a place that I want to be. Amen. And so he was taunting and said... You just need to quit trusting God. And Hezekiah now faced a great challenge. There's people that have seen this Assyrian army come after. Country after country and destroy them. And the first thing that Hezekiah thought was, well, maybe we need to call Egypt and see if they'll come and help us. And they received news that Egypt was not going to help them. And so... What did Hezekiah do in all this worry, in all of this moment where if I'm translating it to your life, when you had that sleepless night and your worry was 
overflowing and piled up and you were crying tears and you were sweating and you couldn't hardly get still from worry from what was going on and what you had heard, the news you had gotten. What Hezekiah did, he stepped down from his throne. And the Bible says he left behind his kingly robe. And he got down on his knees and he prayed. Amen. When you come face to face with evil and struggle in life that you have a sleepless night, it doesn't matter how many accolades that you've got in your relationship with God or how many uh, uh, years you've been serving God or how long your kingly robe is. What it's time to do is leave your throne behind, leave your kingly robe behind, and get all the pride out of the way and just pray. And get in the presence of God. Sometimes we've got to rend all our pride. Now I know I'm preaching to somebody this morning. We've got to get rid of the kingly robe. That's right. And say it doesn't matter in this moment. I'm dealing with something. You know, we've got a real problem. We just let worry go on and on and on and on. And it affects our health, folks. Yes, it does. It affects our health. I'm not giving a medical lecture this morning, but it affects blood pressure. And you let all that build up in you, it'll shave off years of your life. Why in the world am I going to sit up on a throne with my kingly robe and not go to God in prayer. The Lord say, I want to take that worry off of you. Yes. I want to take some of those tears away and give you some rest. Sometimes we've got to get off of the throne and get down on our knees and say, Lord, I'm giving this over to you. He tore off his kingly garments and he went to the temple. This was the solution. Get off the throne. Leave behind my pride. And find myself in the temple. Amen. That's powerful. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. In times of discouragement and fear. Sometimes it's hard to be able to pray. Sometimes it's the last thing we think of. But somewhere, folks, we've got to get in Hey, it's got to be the first resort. It's got to be the first. I don't want prayer to be my last resort. I don't want to uh, go through every other solution. Prayer ought to be the first one. See, if God does it, and then we'll do everything that people with common sense will do and call the doctor and all these other things. But why not go to God first? Why not pray? Amen. Amen. Logic was not on Hezekiah's side. You've got a bigger army and then you've got our army. It ain't going to work. The threat was dire. There was reason to worry. There was reason to not have rest. These people had the ability to back up their taunts. They would do it. Unless God intervened. That's the only way. Sometimes we'll face a situation that's more real than we even like it to be. It's a very real thing that could happen to us. A struggle that really it could come out like we're worried it will. And it just captures our mind. But we know in this room that when the doctor proclaims that cancer has invaded a body, 
we know that enemy's potential to do harm unless God intervenes. But that's the key. Unless God intervenes. When the government comes after somebody, threatens us with a legal action, we might feel weak and unequipped to respond to that unless God intervenes. You receive something in the mail, you don't know how you're going to respond to it or deal with it. You may not be able to unless God intervenes and does something. That's the key. And it's in those times that we've got to pray. Hezekiah recognized all this and he said, this is, a, this is Hezekiah's exact words. He said, this is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth. We don't have the strength to do it. But I'm just going to read to you what the Word says that he did. If you're going to run somewhere, if you're going to do something, this is what he did. Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 37 and 1. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Praise God. What did he do? He went to the temple. You're never going to go wrong by getting into the presence of God, whether it's at the church, whether it's in prayer in your home, you're never going to go wrong in that. Before we run to the neighbor's house, we ought to run to the prayer room. Amen. Before we call up our close friend that will give us advice that may or may not be from God, why don't we just get a direct line to God and pray? There's some folks, you probably have seen something like this. They face a big struggle or something. They get a, a report or something or something happens in their finances. And what do they do? They pack up everything. They get in the car and go way off somewhere. And the answer is to run. We ought to run to the church. <coughs> We ought to run to the church. Amen. You know, when, when things have happened to me and I, I'm in the middle of a struggle, I'm ready to get to the church. I'm ready to get there about as soon as I can. Yes. Because if I can just get there, I know God's ready to provide some relief. He's ready to take off that burden off of me and give me something else that's going to carry me. Why in the world would we not want to go to church? Right. How about this? I'm going to dig deep for just a minute. Why in the world would we want less church? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Somebody, I'm going to try to be careful this morning. Somebody said to me the other day uh, that 70 some odd percent of churches today have one service a week. And there's steadily some that are shaving off services or time or something like that. I don't know how you feel about it today, but I don't need less of God. I need more of God. Amen. Amen. And I need to be in here about as much as I can get. Yes, Lord. 
I know you can't be in here every hour of the day. Nobody expects you to do that. But my God, if I've got an opportunity, amen, if the Lord is present in his house, if there's a word going for it, I want to be there for it. Yeah. I want to be there for it. Amen. The fact is, we all need therapy. We all need therapy. Not necessarily from a doctor, but from the great physician. Amen. Amen. He can give you some therapy today. Praise God. Hezekiah sent messengers to the prophet Isaiah. So now he's dropped his pride. He's come to God in prayer. He's come to the house of God. And now he comes to the man of God. Isaiah. And he seeks the counsel of the man of God. The pastor, if you will. Hezekiah needed a word from the Lord. And now more than ever, he needed a pastor in his life. You hear me this morning? I don't know how many times I've said this, but we need a pastor in our life. Amen. We need a pastor in our life. Can I have an amen or two amen. this morning? Amen. God has structured that. He's, he's made it that way. So that not only can you go to Him in prayer, but there's somebody really close to, to Him that has lived the things that you're living, that's in this sinful world we're in, that can help you along the way. He's given us that. And so he goes to the man of God and God spoke to Hezekiah through the prophet and said, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him. And he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. You need to have people in your life that, that you can call that can get a word from God. Amen. You need to have somebody that you know that you got their phone number or you can get in touch with them that they are close to God and they're not just going to tell you something that will make you feel better. But they're going to get a word from God for you and that's exactly what He did. Let me tell you something today. The man of God is your best friend. He's not trying to come against you. He's trying to get along beside you and get you along the way. Amen. And so there, 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 there's a reason that he's there. And so he gets this word from him. And he carries his burden to God. And he speaks to the man of God. And then we come to this point where the enemy sends a letter. And Hezekiah receives this letter. He just got encouraged from God. But you know what will happen sometimes? We face a struggle. We're worried about it. We go to God. God gives us comfort. But then Satan will throw a last-ditch effort wrench into the system to try to scare you one more time. That's right. Just to see if it will work. And many times it will. And it comes in the form of a letter this time. And you know essentially what that letter said. You can read it in our text. Basically he said, I don't really know why Hezekiah, you're even still here. Because you yourself have, has observed the people that we have mowed down. Why do you think your God would save 
you if he didn't save them. One last ditch effort to put fear in his life. And he gets this letter. A letter received in the mail. A letter given a diagnosis. A letter given a bill that ain't going to be paid unless something happens. A letter threatening a legal action. A letter from a family member that's going to be read with tears. A letter that crushes dreams and hopes. A letter that comes in the mail. Somebody, you, you received an actual letter like that before. And you know what he did? He grabbed that letter that by all accounts from reading that, Hezekiah could have read that and called the people together as king and said, folks, I've already went to God. And they had him back down. I've got a letter here that's basically an eviction notice. He could have done that. And you probably at some point have gotten something and pretty much just thrown up the white flag. But you know what Hezekiah did? He grabbed that letter. And this isn't me saying this. This is what the scripture said. He laid it before the Lord. God, I've already come to you once. And you comforted me. I felt better about it. I still believe that you're going to take care of it. But I just got this letter in the mail. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. I'm laying it before you. It's yours, God. You take care of it. Oh, my God. I wish sometimes that I would have that type of prayer life that instead of just going straight into worry and calling somebody up and saying, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do, I would take that letter and lay it before God and say, God, this is not mine anymore. It's yours. It's not my fight. It's the Lord's. Amen. You know, even Jesus had to do that. He got in the garden and said, Lord, I don't have the strength to do this. I'm going to need your help. And he cried tears. But it wasn't just tears of worry. It was tears before the Lord. A lot of times we cry our tears and it's not before God. And it just keeps on going. The worry is still there. It's still there. And we keep it from God. And we worry about it separately. But if we can take that letter and put it before God and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm being honest with you, God. I don't know how I'm going to deal with it or what I'm going to do. But it's yours. Do you know what happened? He took the letter. He put it before God. He went to the temple again. He spoke with the man of God again. And then I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. God sent an angel to intervene. Isaiah chapter 37 and verse 36 says it like this. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand, a hundred and eighty-five thousand men. 
And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Hezekiah woke up. Says he arose in the morning. That means he got some sleep. He didn't worry himself to death about it all night. He prayed and he left the letter on the altar. Yes. And let God have it. And when he rose in the morning, he looked out at this camp of 185,000 Assyrians. And he was expecting to see them getting their fire together and cooking some eggs and bacon. There wasn't a soul moving. They waited another hour or so and looked out there and said, I don't think them boys are waking up. I guess their alarm clock didn't go off. And Hezekiah said, you know what? Send somebody out there and open up a tent and just see what's going on. And can you imagine soldiers opening up tent after tent and discovering all there is is a corpse? That big bad army, the bulldozer of an army that was mowing down every single city it's all a bunch of corpses and tents. But something big and powerful like that, it doesn't happen until somebody takes the worry and the tears and the trouble and the struggle and lays the letter down on the altar. God, I don't have the power to deal with it. I don't have the money to pay it. I don't have the time to fix this. I don't have another vehicle to drive. I can't fix my family's problems like you can. I can't heal myself. I'm laying it before you. You can enter a state of denial of the problem. You can put it off. But what I'm pleading this morning, this is my request for the sake of your mind and your worry and your stress. Open it up and lay it before the Lord. Open it up and lay it before the Lord. Can we stand together this morning? You need to take that thing that has got you worried out of your mind and lay it before the Lord. Lay it out on the altar. Get that bill out. Get that thought that's in the back of your mind that worries you so much and lay it before the Lord. I've watched people literally, literally <coughs> lay down the problem that they've struggled with at an altar. I've watched people leave cigarettes at an altar. I've watched people leave methamphetamine sitting on an altar. 
I've watched that. And it wasn't a joke. It wasn't like a television church service scheme. They left and they were delivered because they laid it at an altar. And people probably thought they was crazy. Nobody wanted to get around them because they could see what the problem is now. Somebody probably thought they lost their mind. You know what? Sometimes it probably wouldn't hurt us to lose our mind a little bit in God in order to see something happen. Really lose ourselves in God because that's what they did on the day of Pentecost. You think that they were worried about something in their life when all of a sudden tongues of fire was above them. And there was a shaking and a quaking in this building. Somebody got to a point. I know this is what happened in the second renewal of Pentecost on Azusa Street. They got to a point in prayer where they had laid everything before God. There wasn't a thing left. And when somebody did that, it was like it came down from heaven. And it spread. An apostolic Pentecostal renewal of what God had done on the day of Pentecost. Maybe, maybe today you come in here and you're thinking, Brother Ryan's probably going to, he's probably going to preach on Holy Ghost and he's going to swing from a chandelier. And, and we're all just going to lose it, you know, and have some real good worship. We may do that here a little bit later. But what I'm telling you is they did it, but it started with somebody laid down the letters they had. Somebody laid down the problems they had and got it off their mind and emptied themselves out. You know, the only way God can fill somebody up is if they empty themselves out. Amen. We got to empty ourselves of everything. And then when God looks down on an empty vessel that's purified and holy, that can carry like a pitcher, the Holy Ghost, He pours out. That's somebody I can fill up. Amen. Amen. I don't know what it is today that has you worried, what it is that you've struggled with this week, this month, or your, your whole life. But it's time to lay it before God. It's time to lay it before God. Would you lift your hands right now in this house? Amen. 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 Let, let, let me tell you, I don't know your mail today. I